0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Psych Sideshow podcast.
1: We made this podcast to develop our curiosity and yours.
0: And we imagine ourselves as keen experimentalists when researching and implementing protocols, and hope you can imagine yourself as that as well.
1: Our thoughts and views are aligned with the knowledge of an undergraduate student, and it's not meant to be taken as professional advice in any sense.
0: But join us chaotic beings in this journey of self discovery as long as it is in a safe and informed manner. We
1: hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, this is Lucien and welcome to the Psych Sideshow Podcast. Uh, we have a very special episode today as we are doing an interview. Today's guest is the lovely Tammy. Tammy was a mortician for seven years and now is an operations manager, and she's going to talk about what it's like being a mortician in Australia.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: Uh, It's lovely to finally talk to you, Tammy. Yes, Uh, you
0: too.
1: I've been very excited. I've talked about morticians in previous episodes. Yes. It's always been a goal of mine to get an interview. (laughs) (laughs) always, I guess, a field that's really interested me.
0: Yeah, it it does. It interests some and, and others not.
1: <laughs> yeah, you told me about the other day. You said some people are a bit hesitant when you tell them about what you do sometimes.
0: Yeah, yep, true.
1: What do you think that might be?
0: I just think with some people it might scare them or it's the unknown, I guess, you know. Like yeah. death is a big part of everyone's life, like it's going to happen to all of us. And I think with some of us... We're more prepared than others, I guess. So I think mm. if you meet a mortician, something, you know, they're around dead people, or you know, it sort of reminds them of their mortality, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Mm. Yeah, and people, I guess, yeah, like you said, they don't really like thinking about that too much.
0: That's right, and 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 you know, each to their own, I guess. You know, like nobody wants to to die. But no. um, yeah, I guess that's why some people, you know, like I said, sometimes some people are more intrigued and they ask you so many questions,
1: yeah. but then there's <laughs>
0: the others that sort of give you that, oh, okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what was your journey into becoming a mortician as it's not a typical profession? Most
0: yeah, it? I must say it, like it isn't, but I, I remember when I was a child, I always just said I just wanted to dress dead people. I know it sounds really? odd. Really. Yes. My family and my sister, especially my sister because we're quite close, used to just think, oh, my God, I can't believe you want to do that. But I ended up having um, my children young and married young, so I sort of pushed Mm. that sort of career to the side, but it was always in the back of my head, and I thought, no, I'm going to do that. So I went for – I I worked in a smaller funeral home, uh, like I did like work experience just to get the experience because a lot of uh, funeral homes want you to have that experience, but then – I ended up going for another job where I went into a bigger funeral company where right. I'm still at today. And, um, yeah, it's sort of on-the-job learning. You know, you, you can start just washing cars and different things and then, like, hearses as well. But um, it's more like you either want to do it or you don't. And then yeah. another mortician had left, so then they asked me if I wanted to do the training, and I was like, yes, I just want to. You know, I can't wait to. So, um on-the-job training and then, yeah, that's how it sort of started. But I feel it's not a a job that, like you said, everybody would like, so you either got to be into it. But I'm I'm more amazed today. There's probably a lot more people today than there was back 15 years ago when I started Mm. or maybe 17 years because I have 15 years with one company and maybe one and a half with another. So, yeah, so it's sort of, you know, it wasn't easy to get into the funeral industry. It never is. Because mm. some people sort of think, well, why do you want to get in? But me today is what I've gone through, and with my um, journey as a mortician, is I want someone like me looking after me, knowing that yeah. that person enjoys their job.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Did the what? What did the internship consist of? Did you like? handle like clients did you ha- see any like dead bodies or yeah like pretty that, much or? they like
0: you to see I suppose to see if you're okay fit for the job you pretty much see a deceased you know pretty much in the first day or so really and I do remember coming away and thinking oh my goodness because you know that's like mortality in front of you so it sort of did Plays on your mind every now and then but not a lot. But I knew like after I went to bed that night I got up and I thought, no, I I really enjoy – I know it sounds weird but I really knew that I would be enjoying the job and knew that I would love the job and that I would would want to be the last person to be looking after somebody's loved one knowing that I enjoyed my job even though it's odd that I enjoy it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I guess I could see how – because you are really helping people in a yeah. part of their life that I guess not many people like to think about. And that's why I find this profession so interesting because it's a job that needs to be done. That's right. It's, probably, it's really important. Everyone mm. will eventually probably need to go through the process, but that's people right. don't like talking about it that that's much. That's
0: exactly right. And I feel that, um yeah, like I said, knowing that someone like me or – people that I work with or other colleagues from other funeral companies, you know, you, everybody knows everybody, that you, you, you feel at ease. If someone says, oh, they've gone to this, and I think, oh, that's great. You know, we, it's just, it's just an industry that I, I think that um, it just sort of, it, it enlightens you on life and death and it yeah. sort of makes you more appreciate a lot of different things as well, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. Wow. And uh, for the training, how long did that take once? you Well it's it's the... pretty much
0: on the job training. Um, you could pretty much become a mortician with the right training which um, mm. I was lucky to have. I had a really nice. So you
1: don't go to like a school. In it, look there
0: used to be one down at Ultimo years ago when I first started out um, but no, it's usually on the job training. I think I'm not really sure because I did it so long ago. And I haven't actually looked it up to see if there is. But most funeral companies, it's on-the-job training and you actually should be um, through with us. We have someone that's a fully qualified embalmer that will train you and show you different techniques. So it could take a few months or it could take someone six months to 12 months. It just depends on how good you are at the things that need to be done and how quick you are as well um yeah look three to six months to 12 months depending on how you are because some people learn quicker than others
1: yeah so yeah that actually is a lot less time than i thought it would take Mm.
0: and look you just get more better at it and you know become an expert as the, the the longer you go on and how long you've been doing it
1: so what was your i guess average day as a mortician like what was the I guess, majority of the time. Was there an average day or was every day well, like day's different? Well, each day is different
0: because not only when you're a mortician, you're actually also, if the funeral crew needs you on a funeral to help out. Mm. So you would start off your day where you would get like, um, you'd get your, like your trims to show you what deceased are. So your trims are a piece of like a, a paper, piece of paper that says the deceased, the coffin. And then you have to make up the coffin, the nameplate. And then, like I said, with a lot of funeral companies, you have to identify that the deceased is the deceased that you're prepping for that day, Mm. that you've got the clothing all marries up with everything that you've got and then with the coffin and then you would go and start to prep the deceased. Most people, I know with our company, we wash the deceased first and then, you, you know, of course you wipe them over and then you dress them and then... You have like a lifter in the mortuary and then you would lift the um, deceased with the lifter and then you would place the deceased in the coffin. And then if 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 it's a busy day, you could do up to nine deceased a day. If wow. it's not a busy day and you're on, you know, some um, companies have have you on a funeral if someone hasn't turned up, so then you would get changed out of your scrubs, go and help on a funeral, come back and then you pretty much... Left to your own device on what you're doing, um pretty much for how you went who you're doing first, and it just depends also on what services are coming up, so you would prep those deceased ready for their funeral. sometimes there's viewings families want to view a day or so before, so yeah. if the funeral crew aren't there, you would help transfer the deceased to the location of where the viewing would be for the family and then you'd bring the deceased back ready for the funeral the next day. So it's sort of you're in and out or depending if there's enough staff or crew, you'd be in the mortuary all day. If it's if it's a busy day where you need the nine or ten deceased done, you would do that.
1: Ah, so you're very much like in and out of the office. I you
0: guess. can be, especially um, if you're short-staffed. The, you know, if you're not, most days these days, you're not, you're pretty much right in the mortuary looking after what, you know, all the deceased you need to. Um, but also, you know, you're checking, double checking and triple checking, you know, paperwork with valuables, um, mm. with the deceased, with the coffin, with the clothing. So you're always, you're always just checking. So it's quite important that you be left alone because it's quite important to make sure that everything's correct.
1: Yeah. And you were talking about that the other day as well about having the, Wristband that says all the valuables yes, on the body. Yeah, and everything. with the
0: valuables and the deceased, and then your, your trim would own up and show marry up with your coffin and what which one, and mm-hmm. you make sure you get that coffin. And then after the deceased is um, placed in the coffin, just before the funeral or the viewing, another couple of crew members will come and then they would double check, and then and the, that would be before the funeral. Then on the funeral day, Another lot will come through and double check as well. So there's oh, always checking yeah. and identification every step of the way. You'd have to be, especially how how busy you get as well.
1: Yeah, I can imagine it would be a very bad thing if people got confused. Oh, with goodness. Clothings yes. and all that yes, stuff.
0: Yes. That's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And how big would the having like a smaller crew where you yeah,
0: would. Yeah, so some companies have small crews. Others have. Mm. Depends on the um, mm. funeral company. You mm. know, some companies like work together with a few companies so they'll have bigger crews. Oh. A smaller company might have six staff, 12 staff. Okay. So it just depends because each service also for a funeral, you'd need at least three to four people. Mm. And then sometimes if it's a smaller service, you might only have two. But then you've also got that crew having to go and do transfers, which is either if you have a release form from a hospital that people would go, the transfer crew would pick up people from the hospital, or if someone passes away at a home or a nursing home, that the crew would be going to do those transfers as well. So you're pretty much Mm. not stopping all day. Yeah. And look, also, if it's a coroner's matter, you need to get all the paperwork in place with the courthouses before you could pick up the deceased. And depending on how busy coroners are, sometimes a deceased, you might be waiting to get a deceased out for a family for up to two weeks if they're really busy. Really? Yeah. So some it just wow. depends on how busy they are as well. Coroners can get quite busy themselves.
1: Uh, so... Uh, The coroners are the ones that pick up the body? Well, we no, that's –
0: yeah, well, the coroners – so a um, transfer company that works within the police,
1: Ah, they would have
0: like contractors that if anything happens like a car accident or suicide, the contractors would take the deceased to coroners, so forensics. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the coroner has to do their job to make sure that everything's in place for the paperwork and they know that that person's passed away how they've passed away before Mm. any funeral companies can come in and take a deceased. And in between that waiting, you're getting paperwork from the courthouse to make sure that all your court papers marry up. And then coroners and forensics will release the deceased to us only after also that we've had written consent and the family have signed that we are the funeral company that they're wanting to have to take their loved one into our care. So there's a lot of behind the scenes as well. Yeah, there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of um, triple-checking with identifications of deceased as well.
1: Do you find that people are, are, like, are very, I guess, prepared for how much paperwork there is usually when these things happen?
0: I don't really think so. I don't. With some families, I don't think they understand the process of the paperwork. Look, yeah. the arrangers that meet the family, there's a lot, but um, most funeral companies now is on the computer. But I don't think the behind the scenes with the doctors, like medical cause of death, cremation papers or coroner's papers, I don't think families know how long that can take to get the paperwork, like meaning Mm. if someone's passed away at a nursing home, you have to contact the doctor, the police would have or the nursing home would have and they're happy with the way the deceased passed away. So then you need to speak with the doctor and chase up the medical cause of death and cremation papers before any funeral can go ahead. So I don't think families are prepared. Look, I know arrangers do tell them, but some doctors are quite busy, so sometimes to get their paperwork could take a long time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they're prepared in that way. And the way I see it also is the doctors have got to look after the deceased, not just Mm. the living as well. So sometimes I think they could be a bit quicker with their paperwork. Yeah. (laughs) For families, you know. Yeah, Not bagging them, but I think sometimes they've got to look after the deceased as well yeah, because they've probably looked after them for many years and know them, you know. And fa- some families want a quick turnaround on a funeral and that all depends on uh, the doctor's papers as well.
1: Yeah, because you said the other day as well, someone needed to have like a funeral like within two days because they mm-hmm. were leaving, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And that can happen and that's where you've really got to know when to chat with the doctors and just sort of, because you've got to put it back onto them. But not with hospitals or the coroners, maybe more so the nursing homes or if people have passed away from palliative care at home, you know. Mm. And sometimes you need to get a bit, not aggressive with the doctor, but sometimes they sort of fob you off like, yeah, yeah, I'll get that done. But it's like, no, no, this family are grieving. They're going overseas in two days. We need it now um so yeah that makes the job hard because you know you're so passionate in what you do
1: you yeah, want to
0: you want to get this done for the family you'll do anything for the family because that's what your service is there for to help them get through and make it as um easy as possible you know without being intrusive but at the same time you're trying to get everything done without any worry for them but um yeah so sometimes it can take you know it can take its toll but Most of the time, you know, we get onto the doctors, we get what we need to, and then we can move Mm. on for the family. So we try and not let them know if we're having difficulties trying to get paperwork and stuff. But sometimes if the the family will say, well, I know that doctor, I'm going to ring him. And sometimes you just say, well, okay, you know, you might get them quicker than we can.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It all
0: makes, it all helps each other, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I don't think a lot of people see the beso- – like, I had, a f- like, a friend years ago say, oh, I just thought you stood and looked pretty, you know, like at a <laughs> funeral. And it's like, mm, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think people know the behind-the-scenes work for how, what it takes for a, a funeral, you know, a service to happen for a family.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like that would be – yeah, it, it would be so complicated with all the – paperwork yeah. and everything would you say the two-day funeral is that like a typical thing like can that happen typically
0: it can happen Yeah, it can happen it's not typical but it it does happen a lot these days because a lot of people are, you know especially with covid a lot of people are wanting to be out and about so if someone passes away they're like oh they've already got flights booked or you know yeah. they, they want to get away it's like well when can we do this and you know you can do it mm-hmm. so it can be done but it is a lot of behind the scenes to get it done. But you do it because yeah. that's what you do for families, you know?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You also, uh, what, how did, I guess, because something I didn't think about uh, is how COVID impacted the, I guess, funeral companies and people yeah, and funerals. And...
0: Yeah, it did impact a lot, you know, and it was quite upsetting because some families, I think it started off with two people, I think I said or it could have been with five, and then it went to five, or it was five first, Um, that's all you could have at a funeral. And it was quite distressing for a lot of families because, you know, I had to go and help on a funeral, you know, when there was COVID, and it was a young gentleman who'd passed away. Mm. And to think that, you know, his mum said to me, crying, saying, you know, he would have this full of, you know, three, four hundred people, you know, so that was quite upsetting, like upsetting and distressing for the families. And then for us to be with them and try and comfort them, yeah. you felt like you were upset. Like, you, you know, you never bring – I never bring their grief on to me. But sometimes, especially through COVID, it was quite distressing to be on funerals knowing that people are grieving, thinking that nobody else could be with them. Families couldn't have families there. No. It was all done live streamed. So – I think through COVID it sort of played on a lot of people's minds in the funeral industry because of how it was and what we couldn't do for families. So a lot of funeral companies would have had to change their structure of, Mm. you know, because it's like a a, a tiny service or a lot of people, like I said the other day, changed it to like a no-service, no-attend where the deceased would just be cremated and then they'd go do their own memorial once everybody was allowed to be together. So, yeah, it was quite hard. It wasn't easy. And, and also for the crews, like going out and picking up deceased who had passed from COVID, had to be all, you know, have their PPE all, you know, dressed up in all the gear to make sure that they were safe themselves because we still worked every day through COVID and a few of us had to be, including myself, had to be exempt to be able to go from one postcode to the next so oh, that was quite yeah. hard as well and no, hopefully knowing that you know we could go to work but we couldn't see anybody because you didn't want to be giving it to anybody either which you weren't allowed either but you know
1: yeah of course
0: but um thank goodness that's all over with
1: yeah it almost felt like there for a second that things wouldn't go back to normal but I feel like they're finally, yes, they're, finally they're finally back, back to normal <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you said there was also a increase in cremations as well during yes, COVID. Yes, yeah, and definitely. And, and afterwards. And what's because of the no service?
0: Yes, definitely. And yeah. I think people worked out that, um, you know, you don't look, it's beautiful to have a funeral. Of course, you want to have a funeral. But sometimes, yeah. you know, with COVID, <coughs> it sort of affected people's, you know, um, living expenses and everything as well. And I think today, people worked out that having the no service, no attend, and then you collect the ashes later. You could yeah. go into a park or a hall, have the ashes there with a the beautiful photo, flowers, and do your own service as well. Hmm. So I think after COVID, it's sort of shown people, oh, well, you know, because it's it's another way now, and more so that people are doing funerals, is just doing more the memorial side of it.
1: Yeah. And would you say, what would be the proportion of people that have cremations to people that have uh, like burials? Would you say cremations is a lot more popular? Yes,
0: definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Another really interesting question that I really wanted to ask about, which is uh, how does the funeral company uh, take into consideration different cultural Oh, yes! Rates. we did touch yeah. base on that
0: and look they the, any 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 religion, any cultures uh all funeral companies will take on anything that they need well not anything the mm. the religion that they need to like some um we've done a few Hindu funerals which they want a twenty four hour turnaround, yeah and you just get that done so and look we we do like with the funeral companies that I know of, they actually have like a support person that. Actually, is into the culture and knows the culture, mm. or somebody knows of them, so they'll, you know, they'll come and meet the family and speak with the families. So, I, most funeral companies, I would have to say, would just take on, you know, they just do exactly what the families want. And if, yeah, you know, and and I find, and if if a lot of funeral companies don't know the culture, the family are guiding them through, and mm. some of most the cultures also have like a priest or or a minister, that yeah know all that so the funeral company can always give them a call have a chat okay you know what do the family want some cultures you know are at home so the deceased goes home they can be at home for a certain amount of time as long as they're kept cool and then the funeral company just come and then they transport the deceased into a coffin and then they'll go to the funeral from from the home so it's 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 not an issue these days i think years ago maybe but today as soon as they say which culture or religion they are, it, it, mm. it's it's not a problem.
1: Oh, yeah. And so you, I guess the morticians themselves aren't trained in that, but it's very much getting outside help.
0: Yes, because with a funeral crew, you have a conductor who actually mm. is the team leader of the crew. Yeah. And the conductor would be guided by an arranger would have met the family and the mm. family would say to the arranger what they want they're the ones that would be the ones picking the coffin with the family and then mm. they would be giving the arranger the clothing for the deceased. Then the deceit, the arranger will put it all in a computer that would come back to the operations centre and then that's where you find out, okay, the religion, this is what the family want, these are the needs and then that's how you learn. You know, the trim that I said where you, you would look where the yeah. coffin is, all on that would just say exactly what the family are needing. And mm. then... Also on the day of the funeral, you're dealing with, like I said, either the minister or the clergy that's looking after the family and a lot of the times they know exactly what the family are wanting so they guide you as much as you guide them. You're just there to really – you're looking after the family and the deceased and the minister or the clergy runs the service and we're just there to help with the deceased and the family.
1: Mm. And is there, I guess, another thing with, I guess, different cultural – when like. The different, like, preparations of the body, because I know, like, in the Jewish religion, there's, like, different yep. ways to prepare the body and everything. Is that also relayed back to the mortician?
0: Yep. So then the mortician, half the time with Jewish, they do not do touch the deceased. And yep. it's all the males that do. Yep. And it is our family or they'll have um, a rabbi and the people that help the rabbi come in and dress the deceased. And then the mortician would just guide them how to place the deceased in the coffin. Also, there's uh, like Hindu families, they like to do their own and they dress them with different types of cloths. And yeah. um, so the mortician will be guided by the arranger who has met with the family and they would say, even like today, families, mm. oh, look, this family, the, the wife and the daughter want to come and dress the father. So yeah. what the mortician would do then is wash down the deceased Clean the deceased and then put a cloth over the, de- the deceased, and then they would be guide. They would guide the family in. Would have a special time that the family would come in do like a family dressing, and then the family would come in and the deceased. Uh, sorry, the um, mortician would just guide the family on ways to make things easier to get the deceased dressed, and um, yeah, it, it's it's actually a big part. Like it, it happens a lot these days where families want to yeah. dress, be the last people to touch dad or mom or their child. And that's always, you know, of course, the family always come first in anything they need to do.
1: Yeah. So it is still popular, I guess, for families to come in and still see the deceased. Like, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah.
0: And if they're not doing that in the, in the mortuary, because it is a clinical place. Yeah. Um, some people don't want to be in that type of environment. So that's when we would have a viewing. The deceased yeah. would be dressed by the mortician, placed in the coffin, and then you'd have it either before the service or you'd have it a day before the service in you know, in a private um, environment for the family to spend that time with them as well.
1: Yeah. Another thing, uh, embalming. You said that embalming is... Very much different to the American context to the Australian context.
0: Yes. We don't, um, from what I know where I work, we don't do a lot of the embalming. We do do them, but it's more to preserve the body.
1: If a deceased
0: is going to be repatriated over to another country or if they're going to be placed in a vault instead of a Mm. burial, you'll have like vaults uh, at some crematoriums. They'll have the vaults there where um, deceased... A place so you need to be embalmed for that, and also either bio sealed, or you are um you have a zinc lining in your coffin. Mm. So, but embalming, yes, look, it does happen, but more so to preserve the body for the preservation for a deceased to go overseas, and then they'll have their burial or um being put placed into a vault overseas. So, it's. Yeah, it's more just to preserve the body. If Look, if if there's a family member that's overseas, they're not going to be back in time. So then we'll be like, you know, you assess the deceased each couple of days, the mortician would assess the deceased. And then if someone's not going to be back in time and they really want to see their loved one, then the family would be offered to embalm the deceased. So the deceased would be embalmed and then at least then they're preserved for that family member to be able to see the deceased. It does happen, not a lot, but it can happen where, you know, a grandchild or, you know, someone's travelling the world or, you know. And yeah. yeah so yeah. in that case, then that's what happens and the family are well aware and are happy to have that, you know, for the family.
1: Embalming is definitely not like it's It's only for those times. Not everyone yes. gets embalmed. It's very much... Yeah.
0: It's not that everyone gets done like embalmed.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: yeah. if um, mo- yeah, it's it's more to preserve the body and restore it to be taken elsewhere. Where, like through immigration and stuff, you have to make sure that a deceased is embalmed before they can even get on a flight taken to where they need to go.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's more just for that these days. It's not, yeah, it's not just done all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a process that you know it takes a few hours to be embalmed. So. Yeah, it's more to just preserve the body for other family members that aren't going to see, like, won't see the deceased before decomposition starts.
1: Yeah, of course. And all
0: deceased do, com- you know, have de- decomposition, but at different stages depends how you pass away. You know, some people decompose a lot quicker than others, and I suppose it yeah. probably depends on how they've passed. So, yeah, so it sort of all comes into consideration what they need to do at the time for what the family need.
1: Uh, how do you feel that your, I guess, experiences as a mortician and a manager has impacted your perspective on life and death?
0: Oh, it has in a big way, I think. I think it's sort of, it just teaches you to just be like, live your life and enjoy your life, I think, because you're seeing death every day and it's there in your, you know, you're confronted by it every single day. Look, a lot of people are, but, like I said, I've got friends that don't even think about it. Hmm. But I think being a mortician and seeing what you see every day just makes you appreciate people more, I think. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate your own family and your own life. Um, the experience being there, I think I think it's made me prepare maybe more for death myself Yeah, to see what gets done and I know what gets done and mm. I know that I'm going to be looked after. If that makes sense, I know it's a yeah, bit it odd, but <laughs> I think knowing what's going to happen, and I go, "Oh, that's right. Well, that'll be me one." Do you know what I mean? But it does make you just, you know, some days are better than others. Some days you, you know, it just sort of might hit you a bit more than others, and you think, "Oh, I've got to get out of here." You know, I'll go for a walk or I'll go do something. You know, get out of the office. And but then it, it does. It makes you appreciate. I feel it's made me become a better person. I feel <laughs> because I know it's weird. <laughs>
1: Wow. But yeah, yeah it I does. can definitely imagine that because you yeah. do have to deal with people in the, I guess the most vulnerable.
0: That's right. Like, place. Yeah, and it teaches you. And look, everybody deals with things differently, but yeah, I really believe that it's made me a better person. And look, I've been in the industry for over 15 years. Well, like I said a bit a bit longer with another company, but I actually um yeah, I think and I'm learning something new every day even though it's, that sounds weird.
1: You learn different
0: ways <laughs> For different things in the industry, so you think, Oh, I'll try it that way this time, just different things. So, I think it's really helped me become a better person within myself, to be honest.
1: Wow, well, it's been lovely talking to you, Tammy. Yes,
0: lovely to talk to Thanks you. Thanks for too. coming on. <laughs> you take care, and you if take you've got any more too. questions or need me, just give me a call. Lovely to we'll meet do. you and chat with you. <laughs>